Hey up friends, how's it going? Happy New Year. It's Matt, you're listening to episode 67 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. It's the podcast where I try and uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Big thanks for listening to and or downloading this one. I hope you enjoy it. I say Happy New Year, it's like the 20th of January or something. I'm a bit late. Um, yeah, as I'll say at the end, housekeeping corner, I've had a little bit of a break from the podcast, um, but I'm back. So when I started the podcast two years ago, obviously I sat down and I wrote a big old list of people that I wanted to get on the show. Now, some of them I've been lucky enough to interview. Some of them were proper fantasy fodder, but most of them seemed pretty attainable at the time. And Mickey Smith, my guest for this week's show, was one of the first names on there, actually. At the time, I thought it'd be pretty straightforward. I'm mates with Mick. We usually see each other a couple of times a year at various different things. But I vastly underestimated quite how busy Mickey is these days with the result that in the end, it took two years for things to align so I could finally get him on the show. And well, I'm pretty glad that I did, as you're going to hear. Mickey has uh, generally been one of the most requested guests for the podcast. I had a feeling this one would be an illuminating, inspiring conversation. And I'm happy to say that this interview is all I hoped it'd be and much, much more. So who is Mickey Smith? Well, he's a father, a photographer, a filmmaker, all-round creative force in nature, who's recently become just as acclaimed for his work as a musician, whether as part of Ben Howard's band or his own A Blaze of Feather project. He's a Cornish waterman who spent his formative years chasing heavy waves around the globe. And Mickey first came to wider prominence with the release of Dark Side of the Lens, a film he made documenting his life as part of the tight-knit scene of the west coast of Ireland, which I would say has got a claim to maybe be the most influential surf film of the last decade. Now, that is a big shout, obviously, but I'm going to kind of say it's true, really. I was recently at the London Surf Film Festival where I was looking up to see a few interviews with directors and one of them, Andrew Canada, was interviewed about his new film. He certainly made no qualms about that film's impact on him and surfing in general, and I'm inclined to agree with him, really. Anyway, the success of that film gave Mickey a huge platform, some great opportunities, but Mick being Mick, he continued to follow his own path, and as he puts it so eloquently during our conversation, the creative threads that he's followed since he was a kid and that continue to motivate him and catalyze a life of relentless creative exploration. At the same time, his background as a musician saw him... Uh, hook up with Ben Howard as Ben's own career began to explode and the subsequent years have seen the boys chase their collective muse on one endless, creatively honest and brave trip around the world. And that topic, creative bravery and honesty, is really the main theme of this one. I mean, when was the last time you actually watched Dark Side of the Lens? Naturally, there'll be a link in the show notes if you've not seen it, but I watched it for the first time in years in preparation for this interview. And it still really ha holds up. And what struck me is the absolute singularity and confidence of Mickey's voice and vision, which is obviously the reason it was so massively popular. And since then, everything I've seen Mickey do has confirmed the purity of this ferocious drive. And it was this that I really wanted to talk to him about during our conversation, really, uh, which we did. And it was a real privilege to speak so openly to him about the creative values and thoughtfulness that have driven his life and work and which continue to do so. If you're engaged in the creative arts yourself and are wondering where or how to start, there really are some peerless insights into the workings of an artist in this one. And this is an episode that really explores some universal artistic truths 
and one of the recurring overarching themes of the Looking Sideways podcast that to fully explore your own creative intentions, you really do need to dedicate yourself totally to something. This word comes up a lot, bravery, um, in this interview and when I was chatting to people about Mickey. And it's true, you've got to be brave to do that. I've been lucky enough over the years to spend time with some singular talents and it's the one thing they've all got in common. And uh, yeah, there's no inspiring fearlessness with which Mickey embarked upon this life himself so wholeheartedly at such a young age and has continued to follow it through. I say this all the time, but I'm lucky, I'm very, very lucky being able to participate in these conversations with some of the most inspirational people in our world. And this one with a mature and true artist at the height of his expression is a particular privilege. As you can hear, Mickey's got a lovely poetic turn of phrase. It means the episode is sprinkled throughout with some beautiful images and ideas. For Mick, as he puts it, life is about following the threads of imagination and instinct, forward movement, and having the courage to push through. And about how, if you do that, you might be rewarded by moments of wonder and creative, honest expression. As you can probably tell, I enjoyed this one. Hope you do too. Here it is, me and Mickey Smith, Land of Wonder. Enjoy. You had a late night, right? Pretty, pretty late night. Not not as late as they get, but um, last night was quite a big gig for us, so I was pretty tired after gave it full beans. Yeah, night two of four at Brixton? Yeah. Yeah, so how's yeah. it been? Been good? Yeah, been amazing, yeah. Um, quite the journey, actually. The um, One of the guys came in last night and showed Ben um, the like history of his gigs there and was like at Brixton yeah oh wow that's a nice thing isn't it yeah and um, yeah it's just see how how much we've done there it's amazing I've, I've left the the click on there we go get rid of that it's like, what's that noise <laughs> so how long did that span um, the first one's 2012 I think right and then after the first record presumably yeah. yeah it was about them wasn't it yeah during right. the first record touring cycle and then um we did three we did another one there on on the first record and then three um on the second record and now four on this one four on this one right yeah. so it's a good it's a good like kind of you know lifespan of the band really isn't it so you can see Obviously, it must be amazing for you because you can see how like the shows have progressed and the audience has progressed over that time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What's the main difference that you can you can see when you think back to those early shows? Um, I guess the the sounds are constantly evolving. Ben's pushing himself all the time, um, creatively exploring. He's such a brave dude, and uh, yeah. It's just amazing to be around. Been really lucky to be part of it. Yeah, and you were saying that your what you how did you describe it? Like a three three dimensional PA almost like for this tour. Yeah, or for these shows. Sorry. Just for these shows. Yeah. yeah. So that's another kind of challenge, right? To to try. And, so how's that? How's that going? Can you explain a little bit about what that actually looks like? Yeah. So um, we. Um, well ben came up with the idea of it um, because it's really special to be doing these 
this four-night residency in Brixton, obviously, and um, we always talk about the sound in venues. We travel from place to place every day, and um, just how... Um, and if you go to a cinema um, to watch a film, the audio experience is so technical and such a massive part of what you see and obviously so much thought goes into that uh and we ben said why why aren't gigs treated like that why is it okay to just have yeah a block of sound from the front where you're looking yeah like we were sort of saying before like it kind of like just stacked and very like on the nose front of house really isn't it like the yeah. way you experience yeah the classic exactly. gig in it you know and if you kind of varies where you're in the room the quality that you hear really doesn't it yeah and you inevitably when it's across the front you have to have things kind of presented a certain way big bass to move your body yeah big drums so you feel like you can feel the band moving and and the vocals loud enough to understand before anything else is yeah. fit into that space yeah that audio space so um having this installed there with speakers around the whole room i think there's 72 speakers or something right okay um and being able to spend the time we've been in there two days before the first gig just um just figuring out where stuff will sit in the mix and be able to move sounds around like that we're a 10-piece band for these gigs so there's a lot of moving parts and yeah right loads of different sounds and just amazing amount of work gone in to making it an experience that's how we've approached this whole record and touring cycle trying to make it a real experience for, for whoever's experiencing it but yeah and but that, that's <laughs> interesting because like we were saying earlier before we started recording we were talking about this a little bit and we were kind of saying that you know as a band traditionally you kind of do the work to make it almost like a repetition don't you and that isn't how you guys really play is it you know your set list is different every night like the way you perform is different every night and now you've added this third dimension of of complex creative complexity almost yeah so how how's it been dealing with that because presumably that's kind of exciting creatively to sort of because i mean basically it's a massive conundrum isn't it like how do you it's new territory for you like how do you kind of crack that to, to make it work in the best way right yeah and that's that's it i mean i guess that's part of the whole driving force creatively with ben is that he's constantly pushing himself to evolve and learn and and so am i and that's um kind of really important i think um you know you can't just stay doing the same thing if you're working creatively um you you could just you kind of would lose where that feeling comes from if you don't if you're not able to move and change with it and push yourself to grow and follow where that spirit leads you so um what do you think you lose if you if you don't have that honest like the honesty of it almost yeah um i i think that um creativity isn't something that um you can force or it's you just 
he just offered little glimmers of it and if you're willing to run with those those things um you know it probably i probably sound like i'm uh, some kind of a hippie but maybe i am <laughs> um, <Yeah>, maybe <laughs> different <laughs> i'm a big believer in energy and um in its various shapes and forms and when you're lucky enough to have a thread of creative energy like move through your consciousness i think it's important to follow that and to not question it and to just explore it and we're lucky enough to be in the situation where we can do that and um and that's not to say that's an easy thing to do like well time is important for that isn't it time is you yeah know, like if you can dedicate time is the is almost the key thing with with any real creative project right because you do need the time to immerse yourself in it and, and that's a luxury right yeah totally but also um it's a luxury but then you know um all of us have spent a lot of time where we didn't have the luxury um but we made sure you got there yeah well that was the question i was going to ask you actually how have you always had that view of art and creativity because you've always created since you were young right in some way so did you always you know you just like really kind of define that pretty clearly you know what it means to you and what um, and your idea of what constitutes like honest creativity is that something that you've learned or uh, did you always have that clarity from when you were younger um i think it's always been part of my thinking because um my mother always in encouraged me to question and and formulate my own ideas of things and think for myself and um not just accept whatever i'm told as truth kind of think about it and see how i feel about it and even if it's coming from her like yeah question back and that's pretty brave though as well you know of her where'd she get that from um she's a teacher and she's really passionate about um kids and their own voices and how important that is for humanity to right. evolve and grow and um i guess that philosophy was directed into our own kids myself and my sister yeah yeah so you see that was kind of ingrained in you from when you were young yeah totally but then you have to find your own feet with that in the world and we well, got to go through the work haven't you you got to do the do the like like you say follow that thread of your own creativity to kind of yeah exactly do do work that then enables you to understand it properly if you know what i mean you know explore it essentially yeah totally yeah and um I, for a long time i would work whatever kind of jobs i could um to then fund periods of creativity or exploration or travel or whatever i felt like doing yeah but um at a certain point, the creativity um, became so important that I had to choose to just give it my full energy. Yeah. Um, myself, I remember myself and my friend Rowan um, having this chat because he was at the same time we must have been in our teens or something. And uh, we just made a pact that um, instead of this, doing this routine we were in of coming home, working, whatever job we could, go away, explore, come back, work. Yeah. You know, sh we would actually just go full in with our 
whatever we were really passionate about yeah at that time and see what happens with that and and was was that a way of because it's it's such a sort of nebulous thing this isn't it? you talk about creativity i guess what it looks like to me your what that was about was expressing yourself honestly is that was that what that would have looked like at that age is that kind of what you meant when you had that conversation and what you were kind of grasping at yeah and just kind of give those like because you have like you know when you, you chat with your mates and you might you might just talk about absolute shite or you might <laughs> have a really lofty conversation about philosophy and ideas or yeah. you know wherever those conversations go and at that point we were pretty like it, we were exploring like yeah a lot of ways yeah yeah pretty like wild young dudes and um we just went all in yeah with that and um that's you know it's not easy and you have to be prepared to live with next to nothing and um give so much energy but um i've just been lucky i guess in the way things have unfolded but you had that realization at a pretty young age by the sounds of it you know that that's what it took yeah um and then it takes time for itself to i just knew what i really enjoyed doing i guess um and i've always just trusted that feeling really yeah yeah and that was the way you wanted to live your life yeah and i never would have i didn't expect to be around this long for a start at that point and then it's still why, why i'm surprised that it's still working for me why why do you say that what why did that's quite a sort of big statement you know why do you um i guess i i mean it's just something you can't take for granted as something that's something I've always been aware of. Yeah, just the um, preciousness of it. Yeah, yeah, on this planet, in this shape, in this form. Yeah. And um, that's something I'm always conscious of. Yeah. Um, how fragile and precious and miraculous it all is, especially being a father now myself. Yeah. So you mentioned your mum, who's obviously, you know, like huge role model. And you know that that's obviously like so fo important when you have those formative years isn't it like having those role models that that kind of almost teach you this way of living when you're at that age so w were there any other people in your life that that had that influence there's been um all kinds of people throughout time through my time um my when i was pretty young my mum's boyfriend at the time al um introduced me to music and by the time I was nine or ten I was in his bands on the <laughs> road playing um, playing gigs and then I was earning money doing it by by like 11 or 12. Wow what were you playing? Um, we were playing mostly kind of um, blues music, country music. Amazing. Um, in various shapes of forms. Yeah yeah um, around Cornwall between Cornwall and London yeah all oh, right so he was like a working musician yeah right right so you all oh, right so you got the glimpse of the actual reality of that life at that age then yeah it was That's quite amazing. an eye-opener for me yeah no doubt at that point it's fucking young though isn't it Jesus my nephew's eight so thinking about that yeah you know like <laughs> it's like wow okay so what and what were you playing like guitar and 
drums then? Um, guitar, bass, and drums. In right. Depending which the band was shape shift a lot, depending on which musicians were available and what the gig was. And right. Um, so you were on the road at that age. Yeah, it was. Um, That's brilliant. He used to have this little blue Ford van, and we'd load the gear in the back, and then he'd just slot me in on top of the speakers, just lying down in the back, and off we go. He sounds like a legend. Yeah, he's a complete legend. Um, it totally changed the way I saw things and understood the uh, the concept of work. And yeah, uh, right. You di- it didn't have to be kind of like go yeah. get a job at fucking wherever, Sainsbury's, you yeah. know, Marks and Spencer's, whatever it is. Like, just going. Totally. There's a bigger world out there. It's a big theme, big theme of these chats, actually, that, 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 that you get that glimpse of like, oh, I don't have to settle for this, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just whatever works for you personally. Um, but coming from a, a place like West Cornwall and growing up, um, a lot of the kind of work options, but I mean, I can't speak for kids now, but um, when I was a kid at that point in, in West Cornwall, your job prospects were um, work in Tesco, work in a restaurant yeah or you know scrub dishes or sure. work on a fishing boat yeah and uh that's it really yeah so um i mean and that was fine that was my idea of work or yeah. you know become a teacher like my mum or something but um to be able to then go out play music which i love doing and then start getting paid for it totally flip that on its head for me right um, at quite a young age yeah because yeah. I mean and you know all the, I guess at the same time your environment that you grew up in like another massive influence right yeah totally yeah yeah where were you where were you brought up um, I grew up in Newlyn and then we moved to Penzance when I was seven or eight right yeah so you were just in the sea yeah just um, amazing part of the world to grow up in really totally lucky and I've just moved back there two years ago and I appreciate it so much um inevitably when you grow up somewhere you kind of have a different idea of it and um you try and get away from that and yeah. then you come back well I have personally anyway yeah come back and really see it with totally different eyes and it's such a like land of wonder of it's an incredible place to be and to bring my own kids up there. Yeah. I feel really lucky. What was it that precipitated the move back? Did you, you just the, the change of understanding that you had about it? Um, no, we, we've been living in Ireland for 10 or 11 years, myself and my partner, Rivi. And, uh, yeah, you're out near the hinge, right? Yeah. And um, we were like, we bought a house and we were the most, having the most amazing life there but with uh, us by the time we had our second child and I was away touring so much um it made sense to be closer to family yeah you need that support don't you yeah and it just felt like a nice a nice time to kind of change the energy and that felt like the right thing to do yeah 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 I mean that's a good stint isn't it to live in one place and kind of get to the end of a cycle and be like yeah okay time to time to change it get back and did you always just think Cornwall was the place because obviously you've traveled 
a shitload, you know? Yeah. It was always like, what, we're going to go home sort of thing. Um, There were conversations of other places, but um, I think we both missed our family and, like, losing my sister and um, losing Al and things like that have all been um, kind of instrumental in me wanting to be close to my family for a long time. Yeah. I, I was... Um, quite happy to be self-absorbed and right. Um, I th- just made me realise how important those connections are. Yeah, your family. What the sort of grief process was yeah. something that clarified that for you. Yeah, massively. Yeah. 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 Right. That's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, you, I imagine, spent a large part of your life digesting that, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. I guess everyone's got their own ideas, ideas of life and death and um, how you feel about it. Um, but we all have to face it at some point in, in everyone's life. Well, everyone ignores it, don't they? Yeah. Especially when you're our age. I think it's only, I mean, I'm early 40s. It's only now that actually you, you're like, all oh, right, this is just this thing that no one talks about, <laughs> which is a really new thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. I think, I think obviously, probably up until the last hundred years every, it was just such a fact of life yeah and and you know how we live it's just like you pretend it's not gonna happen don't you yeah totally unless something like you lose a close family member or friend and then you you you've got to face it and i don't know if we have the tools really do we emotionally yes yeah, that's the big question isn't it yeah um i said th- i thought that i did but um I totally didn't. You thought that you had the tools. You thought you understood it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't pretend to understand it at all now, but um, at least I have experience of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, the cherry older sister. Um, Cherry's my younger sister, but right. she was always like my older yeah. sister. Yeah. The way you talk about her is almost like that relationship, almost because I've got an older sister. Oh really? Yeah, and it's quite. A I think you know brother sister relationship is obviously very particular anyway but yeah um so presumably she was another huge influence for you yeah absolutely yes um she always looked after me and always encouraged me and um just massive influence on giving me belief in being able to do um whatever I was doing and that it had any value or really at all yeah so she backed you yeah, yeah, totally. Which yeah. is another thing that you need, isn't it? Especially when you're making decisions in your late teens, early twenties that you're going to follow, like an unconventional path, isn't it? Yeah, totally. You know, you do need somebody that that you trust to say, like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, it'll be right. It's just it's all good. Yeah. 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 So when at that point, the was this when you started to broaden it? Is this when you started to think about, you know? Because obviously your relationship with Ireland you've mentioned, and is that yeah. around the time that that sort of started? That you like kind of late late teens, sort of early. I've been going. I'd spent a lot of time um, traveling to Ireland already since I think I first went there when I was fourteen. Right. Um, on a swell with some friends, they piled. I was walking to school, and they I've heard you tell that. Like, yeah, they like piled you in the van. Sort that's of thing. right. Yeah. <laughs> and took me. That's, uh, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah lucky to have mates like that yeah 
Um, and, and another eye opener. Yeah, and no they doubt. were amazing crew actually growing up as well. The boys in West Cornwall were really free thinking, um, wild individuals, big influence on me. Who who would who would that be then? Who who um, who'd you look up to out of that scene? There's quite a um a lot of names, but there's probably like twenty of us as as um kids growing up and I was kind of young maybe the youngest of that that scene right uh, that we had anyway yeah one of the younger um Jack Johns was probably the youngest actually and um and Dan's Dan and Piran Skorowski yeah but um obviously there's loads of different names sure yeah. it's difficult to go into yeah of course yeah yeah names of people but that spirit um all of those guys had, especially the older guys who uh, I really looked up to and who, like, looked out for me and took me surfing and um, just kind of inspired me in a lot of ways. It's amazing to have those older role models. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, it they, they, they guide you, don't they? They give you the... almost like the permission in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know? Because a lot of it is about that as well, isn't it? It's like kind of seeing that somebody's just a little bit further down the path than you are, and you can you can kind of ah oh, okay, so that is acceptable, and you know I can follow what I want to do, and yeah, perhaps totally. there's a future in it, kind of thing. Yeah, and they you know they're just being just wild surf rats, and <laughs> just we just used all used to have mopeds and we'd, we'd um, burn around together. Just trying to find heavy <laughs> waves on the coast of Cornwall was what we were just obsessed with heavy waves and that's where we ended up going to Ireland on that first swell run because we'd seen Litmus had just come out and we'd seen this left um, in that video Joel Fitzgerald and John Frank shooting and uh, just um, blew our minds such a seminal film isn't it yeah it really is the impact of it is massive yeah huge yeah, it was fucking massive for us and or for me anyway. I mean, I can't talk for everyone. I think, I think generation really, yeah. especially in the UK. I mean, I think it's it, anyone you speak to of our age, it's 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 that big, isn't it? You know, it's like it's huge. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that was the catalyst. That's what sent you over there. Yeah, just realized like, like I said, we were just obsessed with heavy waves and. The, f- the energy involved in that and the feeling of it was something that really captured us. And the seeing waves like we we heard about in Australia and yeah. places like that are really close to where we live yeah. just completely blew our minds. So I started going there all the time, really. Yeah, and it was the feeling that of and presumably like the exploration as well and the adventure of, of trying to discover. Yeah. Was that something that was driving you from, from that age as well? Um, yeah, I think when you, yeah, it's always a spirit of adventure. Yeah, those guys are always pretty instrumental in that. I, I think being in West Cornwall too is just, and being interested in heavy waves, there's not that many options, so you have to be pretty creative in your outlook. We spent yeah. hours hiking and Got walking. And, yeah. yeah, just trying to find, follow those threads. Yeah. Of, like imagination and yeah, yeah. instinct and that developed a lot of things f- for me 
Is this about the time that you started shooting as well then? I was always shooting. My mum gave me a camera when I was maybe like nine or ten. Right. First disposable camera anyway. Um, and I just used to buy these little, I don't know if you remember, you could go to um, Boots or something and buy a, a little waterproof 36 yeah, yeah. shot camera. Yeah, we used to take them out like snowboarding. Same yeah. thing, you know. And then you never knew what was on them, did you? No. And then you'd develop them, you'd be like, all oh, right. Yeah, it's the quite quite nice, the random aspects of it like that as well. Yeah, and you make them last, like, months, yeah. that, that roll of 36. and Yeah. Um, that was my introduction to self-photography, really. And then seeing John Frank's stuff in Litmus really, like, made me... And obviously the surf and bodyboarding magazines at, at that point water shots really captured my imagination of heavy waves yeah and i was just interested in that as an art form really yeah um well, it sounds like it was probably a good sort of culmination of you know the th- the, th- the thoughts that you were having you know like um, the direction your life's going the creativity like all these threads yeah kind of like maybe the first expression of that you know what i mean yeah, like when yeah. you could actually like have an end product almost and 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 work on it and yeah yeah is that kind of and were you filming as well at this point yeah we'd started um myself and my friend um had like started exploring using video cameras and making our own little home movies of skating and surfing just for the boys and girls to just kind of laugh at and mostly for our own entertainment really yeah uh putting music to them and it was fun using two VHSs and recording. Doing the, like, yeah. Yeah. Editing like that. Yeah. And primitive style. Shooting Super 8 and High 8 and eventually DV and then. Yeah. Makes you be creative though, don't it? Those restrictions as well, when you think back. Yeah. You know, like having a disposable camera or having two VCRs or whatever. Yeah. And, and you have to work around it, don't you? Almost wasn't aware of any, that blew my mind anyway. Yeah just being able to take a photograph or shoot something yeah uh document one of the experiences we were having yeah uh there's always a wonder with that and i'm always quite detached in any environment uh i find myself sitting back quite a lot so it's a natural kind of uh way to express myself observationally yeah right okay imposing it on anyone you feel observing and capturing is almost a bit more of a way of expressing yourself naturally yeah and um i'd kind of like there's a couple of lines about that in dark side of the lens actually isn't there that you kind of say that that almost nods to that maybe yeah um i can't actually remember the the words at this point but um I should imagine so. Yeah, <laughs> ah, there'll be a link. <laughs> there'll be a link to it. Um, but yeah, like it's interesting because, uh, you know, what you said you feel more comfortable, as in, what like socially or just expressively? How do you mean by that? Yeah, um, socially, and also just, um, it's a natural. At some point in a, any situation, I'll find myself just wherever I am. And I'll be trying to like appreciate it, right? And just, oh, this is cool. 
cool. <laughs> right, actually just be present. Yeah, and that... Um, that gives you the, 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 a way of doing it, right? Like a lens to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just, yeah, like like the idea of having memories. I'm quite forgetful, so... Right. Um, it helps me having something I can, like, remember. Oh, I, I was actually at this place at this point. And yeah. It's not just an Im- something I'm imagining. Right. A lot of the time I'm not sure whether I'm imagining any of this yeah i've been talking to you right now yeah yeah no it's funny though isn't it because memory's like it's so light like it's it's a, it's a trick sometimes isn't it i i completely have that you know sometimes especially with stories as well especially with stories that you tell because you accumulate these layers and interpretations of stories don't you especially like when you've got like a group of friends or whatever yeah do you know what i mean and you you must have it as well and you you, you tell the stories and then I've had that where I've been like, did that actually happen? Yeah. Or is it now just the thi- like a, a thing that we're talking about? Yeah. And, you can, and no one can actually remember, can they? You know, it's like, or you're like, or someone will say something, you're like, well, that didn't happen. You know, like it, it's just so unreliable, basically. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. But people t- sort of stand and fall on it, don't they? You know, like, right. So you always, you always had that, it had a practical use almost yeah <laughs> it was like a way of saying this actually happened yeah um, scars are like that though, aren't they as well they are yeah yeah totally you know scars you you, you know it happened yeah and tattoos tattoos and um yeah photographs yeah yeah physical <laughs> remembrances though. yeah yeah god there's a lot of them around these days jesus <laughs> yeah right okay so you Again, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of layers to it. So you, you know, you, you kind of developing it, expressing it, capturing it. Yeah. So is this you mainly based around Ireland at this point, or are you travelling? Because you, you, um, you've obviously done time in like ours, haven't you? And yeah, all over like most. Um, some of the most influential times uh, for me, um, creating image and moving image. Uh, was um, exploring for heavy waves in Australia and some of the characters and um, people I ended up meeting there. And Is that where you met Wilbot? Yes, where yeah. I met Wilbot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got and all mention. of the characters in that scene that he's from, um, they're like massively inspirational people for me at that point in time. Yeah. They're still such wild creative dudes doing amazing work in whatever shape or form yeah um and what took what took you over there just heavy waves and yeah just exploring just let's get get over there see what it is yeah new horizons um never intended to stay there very long but um one thing led to another and following those threads of yeah energy and saying why not yeah okay fuck it let's see what happens (laughs) yeah Um, see how it pans out ended up after a long time traveling around uh working in margaret river and i had a pretty um kind of nice job where i could get up early into the water um amazing waves and when the time the wind went on sure i'd have to go to work 
about 10 or something. Right. Work like five or six hours and then maybe in for the evening where the, the light's getting incredible. And I just started really just enjoying documenting that. It was a re- really good... I haven't had many times in my life where I've had a routine. Um, and that was like an amazing rhythm for me. Okay. Um, just like exploring... I could surf or shoot or just spending time in the water and then work scrubbing toilets or whatever I was doing um, and then go back in the evening and if I was more peaceful I'd just shoot and yeah just learning a lot yeah. learning from the guys surfing bodyboarding there um, shooting in the water they, they all taught me so much um, and the sea did as well yeah sure about myself like pushing myself challenging myself yeah what i could or couldn't handle yeah and then those characters help you through that journey took me to experiences i would never have imagined having as a kid in in west cornwall you know and that kind of prepared me for what was to come in ireland in the later years kind of thing yeah right all of that stuff yeah just hours and hours and hours in heavy ways right of 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 time put in and experience yeah. gained and no reason for it other than i just fucking love doing it yeah amazing so how long did that last um probably like three or four years okay so it's a good stint then yeah on and off and traveling to other places iceland and hawaii and um canary islands places with heavy waves yeah sure that yeah. i could kind of afford to go to and figure out ways of working when I was there or whatever yeah we starting to sell shots and stuff at this point at some point in there um different people approached me for mostly the odd photograph and mostly footage like stuff that I was filming yeah and uh stuff started showing up in surf and bodyboard films mainly bodyboarding was my kind of world yeah and all of those characters are just such like passionate creative crazy people amazing amazing individuals it's just such a it's a scene unto itself in that there's no money in it so it just takes any of the bullshit away um anyone who's doing it is passionate and it's just self-exploration um they don't have any other motivation there's no agenda so like it's just for its own sake they're just proper humans pushing the limits yeah it's amazing to be around yeah something is that uh, something that you've also sought out then um i don't know if i did it purposefully yeah, yeah. just you just kind of gravitate to yeah like i was talking about energy i just i've always ended up with people who on a similar frequency maybe just because i gravitate to that yeah sure not because i've sought it out particularly yeah i'm not very good at walking up to someone and saying hi yeah you know let's do this yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, well that was I, I was saying i spoke to shambles last night and that was one of the things that he was so nostalgic about that that island scene when you boys all kind of were you know together which is, I guess, is probably a little bit after this Western Australia period that you're talking about. And he's just saying the same thing. It's like a 
unrepeatable kind of community community and experience almost yeah. and the, it, that's what he was saying is always like the purity of it yeah he and that's the thing he was really like you gotta ask him about that you know because that that he was yeah very very grateful for those times i would say from what he was saying yeah yeah me too yeah massive it's it's hard to uh put it into any kind of context really because it's such a like expansive my life and so many different shapes of forms yeah but that was where you started spending more and more time as it as it, as it went on yeah and my friend nick lawrence in western australia ended up becoming the editor of a magazine and we were really tight and he just started working with me as a photographer oh, nice. a lot and i've been making films and giving people footage and whatever exploring that those possibilities and seeing how, how that worked and um just enjoying like starting to get get paid to do the things i was enjoying um but not really seeking it and then nick just kind of like you said just said you can do this let's 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 gave you it. the nudge gave you the next nudge and also the characters i was traveling with at that point um people like brendan newton and those kind of people really believed in me too yeah and i believed in them and we just spent time together and that that kind of grew like my friendship with steph skyroski um at that point we were exploring the same places and we were going to ireland a lot together and that's when we first started surfing the heavy waves like bumbleoids and things like that yeah oh, and where we met shambles and yeah yeah those people and jack was around one as well yeah yeah jack was really young he's like 16 or something yeah, yeah. another one asked to come in there and said no oh really <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like no you're right <laughs> <laughs> right so is this when you started sort of seeing the waves that you know now obviously very famous yeah yeah totally um yeah just and we're just just enjoying that moment in time completely captivated and enamored with it and the feeling in the water and between the guys we were with and we're just pushing ourselves and learning and growing it's pretty pretty incredible moment as a someone growing up this was the time when you were also like Ferg and, and Tom would have been on the scene as well then, right? Yeah, um, kind of like a few years after all of those initial early explorations for us, um, Ferg and Tom um, kind of were coming up as young surfers and started appearing at the heavy waves in Ireland. And um, they were just the energy about them was really kind of similar to where I was at and completely enraptured with that feeling in the water and yeah. the excitement of it and the kind of isolation and adventure at that point in time. Kindred spirits. Yeah. yeah. Just, we just connected like massively. And but you didn't know Tom from Cornwall? I knew Tom in Cornwall, but not as like a close friend Yeah. Um, until that point where we were together in Ireland um, and me and my partner Rivy were living there and um, 
she'd said to me, let's let's go and do this. Let's let's just be where where you want to be and be together. And she really believed in me, and and um and that kind of feeling that I had, that I wanted to spend time there. And um and Tom appeared, and then Ferg appeared, and all of a sudden, there's just um, a proper like movement of energy, a big shift for us happening where we just every day had purpose like let's find the most kind of intense situations we can <laughs> in the water and just like enjoy it and yeah and see what happens and like it was an, a really special time for me and and any uh, i think all of us who were around at that point in time that that little scene yeah. of friends like the bodyboarders and rivy and we had like so many people staying in our house like who would come down down the coast from up north shambles or from dublin or where the boys would come over people coming in from australia or america to stay with us friends from the past and yeah these still on these kind of exploratory missions and it's just incredible yeah yeah the energy that feeling um some that's something I'll never forget that feeling yeah from that point in time and uh, you know I, I know you've talked about dark side lenses a shitload and I know that you kind of made it as a way of explaining you've said before to, to cherry about what you did but does when you look back at that now does that kind of capture it that moment in time yeah 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 totally that's that is exactly where we're at with totally being honest with ourselves and just like just kind of giving ourselves to that moment um we knew that it's it's not f a, f a finite it was a finite thing yeah so um it was just incredible and like having the belief of people like my sister and the boys and my partner rivi and just people around you who are saying it's okay to like just be completely involved in this moment for no reason other than it's a beautiful thing that's powerful you know yeah right yeah did I mean, did you did you think did you kind of did you did you, were you conscious of it because i was like you know earlier you said like you try to be really present and conscious of, of what's unfolding as it happens like did you have that kind of clarity of it did you did you kind of think like this is like you know this is a special time kind of thing yeah especially in those early years i i was um i was starting to become pretty like completely absorbed in that um and it just meant so much to me to be able to do that and uh yeah i was definitely conscious that it wasn't gonna last maybe and i was just Let's just enjoy it, boys. Yeah, the golden years. Yeah, and like they said, you know, how long are you going to be around from? We we lost people, we lost brothers, you know, people we were close to. and Yeah. You know, shit happens and that stuff's precious. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to... I try and be better at that to sort of, yeah, be present enough to say, should you really make a note of this? <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a good time might not happen again you know yeah because you can take those things for granted very easily can't you totally especially like 
we're touring constantly the last five or six years or something, playing music every day. It's such an f- incredible experience because it's it's there's so much to take in every day, constantly doing uh, the routine of the same things in a different place, but it's always a new experience. You really have to make sure at some point you sit back and just take a breath and go, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, this is happening. Yeah. Here we are again, fourth night at Brixton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, those things are fucking amazing. Yeah. And yeah. That's Lucky bastards. Yeah, but like you say, it's not like you woke up with your your synth module at the end of your bed, is it? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you you've you've worked hard for it. Yeah, well, you know, you've 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 been on a path that's led here. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. and you do like uh, I didn't um, all of that stuff. The concept of work is always like it's supposed to be painful and uh, a shit thing. Yeah, and uh, sometimes there is that, and there's so much, especially with creative work. There's so much self doubt and like guilt when you're battling <laughs> with something. You're trying to make what you can see or feel, and you you can't or hear, and you can't get there. That is like it seems so far away, and that void is so tough to push yourself through and keep following that thread and not completely destroy it by self-doubt and self-criticism and worrying what other people think and saying um your mind plays such tricks on you and everyone struggles with those questions no matter what you do yeah it's creatively or just getting up in the morning yeah like, yeah um and that's one thing like all of this stuff has taught me as always like light if you can just keep pushing through that stuff um so yeah in that sense i have worked yeah fucking hard for it but it's more of an internal battle than like you know i'm not digging holes every day at this point but i have been you've done that can you get better at that do you get did you have you got better at that like banishing those no in in a you know those i mean demons inner voices whatever you want to call it like that you know that 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 voice of self-doubt which tells you that you're not good enough and it's shit and you know that you you should give up and you know can you like say everyone's got it yeah i, I often think that people who are successful creatively have just learned to i've got better at ignoring it basically yeah. you know is that something that you found um i just i struggle always but um and with my mental health and um, all kinds of stuff. But um, the one thing that's helped me is being able to take a step back and appreciate that that, um, that total like expanding of perspective and being able to see things from a different point of view is such something I really feel lucky to have. So it always helps me flip it on his head right? and just step the fuck out of my head and just kind of, um, yeah, appreciate, you know? Yeah, and is creativity, like, a helpful outlet for that as well? Like, having the focus of, of a project that you can try and see through and express yourself in that way? Totally, yeah. I mean, that is massively part of my um 
kind of reason for still being, you know? Yeah. Just being able to follow those threads and be full of energy and energized by it. And yeah. And wrestle with it. And like yeah. I, I kind of look forward to those battles in some way with myself and whatever other challenges it might be. Yeah. You know? It's, it's hard to be aware of it though, isn't it? That's what's so fascinating about what you're saying because I've never even thought of it like enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm aware of it, but I've never thought about it as like an enjoy. And, and I know you're not saying that. I'm just I'm just saying like, you know, the perspective of it is what we're talking about, right? And how you how you handle it. One of the couple of things on this point that you've said since we've been talking today, you talk about art and creativity as like you have the picture is is that is that is that true for most of the projects that you have like the creative things do you, do you have you got a, something you try to attain something that you try to match to what's in your head it's yeah a feeling um it's some a feeling is more what i would identify with anything okay um, right to capture that yeah right like, an expression um, i mean you you must know as humans we all connect to something that makes us feel something. Yeah. Something that's re- makes us feel either like uplifted or like, woof, that's heavy or yeah. wow, that's incredible or just makes you feel something. Yeah. Because you respond to, oh, I identify with that, I'm feeling that, you know, like, I, I look for that. And there's something in me for my own personal stuff that I can, if the feeling's there, I know that's kind of, that's right for me. Yeah, you know, I just try and trust it. Um, it's not easy, but it's that's something I've got to go on. Yeah, and have you ever succeeded? Yeah, I mean, in a way that you know that you feel is success. One thing I've learned over time is that um, it's never, you know, that feeling is the same, but what you visualise is. N- at the start is never how you end up yeah and that's okay yeah well that's another thing you gotta learn right totally yeah as you as you as you get you experience and, and you try things and it used to drive me mental and like i used to have i've literally still got a filing cabinet full of 35 mil slides and rolls of film called fuel for the fire where i was <laughs> just fuck up the right. most incredible shit yeah i would be seeing and be so like devastated with myself right because but it didn't match what you were trying to yeah right and I just fucked it up right but um you've learned i was that, learning yeah you know and that's okay at maybe, that point well, that the was point. the biggest disaster <laughs> for me yeah but i kept all that stuff and i would revisit and try and learn from it and i think that's important but I, you know i often think that accepting that is what gives you the freedom um and it and is is the point almost totally yeah because it because when because in a way when you are putting those effectively like shackles on yourself then you, you you're shackling what's going to come out aren't you because yeah. you're inhibiting it you're, in, you're saying like it's almost like a f- false form of creativity in a way because you're it's a bit contrived you know what i mean like yeah. and it's when you it's when you kind of like accept that the point is just doing it and, and then like you say try to capture it and seeing what you can can get out of the end of it yeah personally anyway that almost like freedom has come yeah and, and and you know a bit of liberation from it really yeah and realizing that it's a gift and that thread doesn't come from you it's some kind of form of energy that's like moving through your consciousness and if you're 
if you spot it and you glimpse it and you run with it, that's a gift. And um, that's the magic of it, yeah. I think, of being human and being able to see that stuff and, like, you know, being lucky enough to have the tools to do it is incredible. Yeah, and the outlets, you yeah. know, whether it's, like, working out your new PA, you know, I mean, that's what it is, isn't it, as well, yeah. you know what I mean? That's the same, the same thing, like, how you express it in those different outlets. So yeah, what totally. have you... Obviously, you, 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 the tour's coming to an end, right? Like, pretty soon? Yeah. You've got a few shows left? Yeah, we have another week next week. Yeah. So what what's next on this tip, you know? Because you're obviously at the end of a bit of a phase. So what have you got coming? Um, Just get stuck in, keep following the threads that have been coming my way on this tour. Um, I've spent a lot of time in hotel rooms or on the bus just in my own world creating sounds and exploring that learning a lot with modular synths and things and I'm just gonna put in some time with that obviously being a father I've, I've got two kids and I have to pay the bills and things like that and that weighs on on what how you explore creative work and what options you take up but um, I always try and prioritise the things I I kind of feel passionate about, or I feel an in inclination to that follow that feeling, you know. Yeah. And are you are you still shooting? Yeah, shooting all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, on the road a lot. I'm not shooting in the water. My water time is mostly swimming these days in oh, the really? sea. Yeah. Nice. Um, surfing when I can and when I feel. Like there's enough time for it yeah um but um a lot of the time i'll be on the coast with my kids and i want to spend time with them and yeah, i get the same release of energy i get through surfing being with them yeah it's um it's like a peace of mind thing yeah for me riding waves um so i just dive in the sea because the physical act of that um is like I've realised how important that is for me. It um, there's something about it. Yeah. I don't know what what it is, but um, it's transformative, isn't it? It's on, just on, on a lot. Of, even if you just throw yourself in <laughs> and get out, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does something, doesn't it? it? Just makes you feel better. And yeah. Feel good and like able to flip stuff on its head easier. And yeah. Yeah, I wonder what it is. It's got to be some physical reaction that's going on that affects your mental state because it yeah. does i mean i try and get in the sea you know whenever i can really like whether it's same as like what you're saying whether it's just like jump in go for a swim go for a surf like whatever um and it definitely does something yeah totally. i've learned to just know is like a, yeah i can just do that and it'll it'll change something yeah know. yeah totally salt water it's really powerful powerful stuff yeah don't know why but it is yeah and you're gonna you've got a studio you were saying yeah it's more of a shed but it, it's a it's a creative space a for space, me a space a place yeah it's wicked um, that's amazing yeah that must be nice yeah it's so important so just even if it's a little corner of wherever you live or just have your own little zone where you can just get lost in your stuff even if it's for a couple hours in the evening or whatever just yeah it makes a big difference yeah yeah 
and so t- we're gonna see the show tonight right so like you've got tonight and tomorrow left you were saying yeah that's right isn't it two out of four yeah. last night yeah right um yeah i'm looking forward to it like i said i think it's six or seven years since i've seen you boys yeah right yeah um, yeah so what and you it is going to be different than last night then oh it kind of is every night and yeah. that's that is an energy thing more than anything yeah um just how between between all of you as, as yeah. a group like do you just kind of yeah and we spark things with each other the first night the sounds were really beautiful and expansive and last night we were more intense and full of fire and um it's just a different journey every day it's incredible to play music like that it's been so instinctive and we run with that feeling wherever he's going right um it's pretty rare to see musicians doing that everything's so formulaic and like everyone's trying to make everything the same so they can produce exactly the same thing every night without question yeah take out all the questions and he is constantly pushing himself and i love being around that yeah well again that's the you've all as a group earned the right to do that haven't you almost by the time and the the trust almost i guess of like working together for that long and and being this creatively open with each other which must be a pretty nice feeling i imagine right yeah yeah totally it i mean it's nothing but a blessing it's not to say that it's not difficult and um especially for for someone like ben who is expected to be a performer constantly yeah um, and um he's just like doing the most incredible guitar work for a start you're ever ever gonna hear someone play yeah he's pretty fucking underrated actually just <laughs> mind-blowing every player, day isn't he? for me he fucking blows my mind yeah at some point in the set i'll just look up and go what the actual fuck <laughs> and um he's incredible and like that's just one aspect of what he does yeah as a singer and wears his heart on his sleeve and just pours everything in to what he's doing and like just because he's standing there and not running around like Mick Jagger gyrating and stuff like <laughs> does not mean he's not doing something fucking incredible every night and, yeah you know that expectation what people want to see as an audience and you know it's like I love how he challenges that yeah and this doesn't conform to yeah to what's expected he's just honest to himself and yeah what he what he's trying to do yeah it's fucking brave how did you find the transition from from when you did a blaze of feather like to being the front man was that something because you know you just mentioned like there's that expectation about being a performer and and it's a role isn't it basically that you kind of meant to inhabit really yeah how how was because obviously that's a pretty big shift of perspective for you isn't it yeah totally yeah i mean that all all was really um, completely unplanned and in totally instinctive and the whole sort of record and yeah, yeah. I mean I write all the time yeah. it's an outlet for me uh, writing words and melodies and songs the whole time through since being a kid yeah there's years of stuff written um, for no reason other than that, than that and um, 
just at that point in time or whatever I was exploring at that point we were playing as a band because Ben was just taking some time yeah and uh it just one thing led to another and and him and Owen said look this is fucking cool why don't we record it and I just it just blew my mind that that they were up for that yeah and uh it's just a f- such a gift um from all the band really yeah because it's it's not as well isn't it and india yeah. and like a lot of the same people right yeah me and nat go so far back musically he's a, together he's a legend that man he is an absolute legend yeah he's a hero that dude um one of the most incredible musicians you'll ever meet yeah, he's got some tales hasn't he and we um he's another one i should probably get on there actually you should right chat on him honey yeah if you ever need some rock and roll stories <laughs> yeah because he's got that whole like manchester backstory hasn't he yeah, and and I spent a lot of time with him there musically and yeah. in bands and um, we grew up together and so they're having that connection way back and then just being able to do that this kind of stuff together now is yeah you could never have written it as kids that's a joy in it that it's just mind blowing yeah yeah all of us Richie grew up in West Cornwall too and we just Every night we're looking at each other like, how the fuck do we end up here? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, we better get you, get you showwards. <laughs> yeah. That's been amazing, man. Nice one, mate. So there you go. That was my interview with Mickey. I hope you enjoyed it. I was lucky enough to spend that evening with Mickey and the boys. And uh, I saw the show that night, night two of four at Brixton. And yeah really amazing what this group of creatively driven friends have achieved uh you know i can't claim to be really close friends with them but i've been around that scene quite a lot over the years and it's just amazing to see how well they've done and i really look forward to seeing where the journey takes them in the future so yeah housekeeping corner as i said at the top and as you might have noticed i had a little bit of time off from the podcast last few weeks i mean to be honest i just actually ran out of episodes i did have a brief panic about it temporarily particularly when I was in France over Christmas. And then I had a moment of clarity, really, which was, who cares, actually? I mean, the whole thing was supposed to be a bit of a laugh in the beginning, which it still is, obviously. And the whole reason I started it was just so that I had a bit of a journalistic slash creative outlet myself, finding stories that I found interesting. It was never meant to be a job or something that I got stressed about. So I thought, you know what, fuck it, I'll just calm down, enjoy a few weeks off from the podcast get on with get on with my life for a little bit and then kick things off once I've got a few guests lined up again, which is how it's panned out. I'm glad I did, to be honest, because it looks like it's about to get really fucking busy with a lot of new guests if things carry on as it looks like they will. Much of it is linked to the travelling I'm going to be doing. It's winter. I'm always pretty busy in winter um, this time of year. I've got ISPO coming up. It's a big European action sports trade show. I've got a trip to Innsbruck. I'm going to Norway. I've got three weeks in California. I've been invited to Portugal. Um, I've got some pretty exciting stuff going on by the looks of it in 2019. Pretty happy about that. In another pretty hilarious development, I also got trolled for the first time ever, which I must say was actually really funny. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll probably have seen, I'm at We Look Sideways, incidentally, if you want to go over. You'll probably see that I tend to share the messages I get on Instagram stories. Uh, Happily these days, a lot of people get in touch to chat about the show, give me feedback 
or they just seem to want to have a bit of a chat, which is fine by me. Uh, anyway, I tend to post them on Instagram stories every now and again. When I remember, I also post up pics and videos from my travels. Uh, and it was that which piqued the interest of one Instagrammer who sent me a right old stinging message accusing me of wanting to make a name for myself as a public figure, which is obviously absolutely hilarious. So if you're listening, mate, of course it was a bloke. Thanks for giving me the biggest laugh I've had in ages. Um, Cause you know, that is just, it's just funny, isn't it? You know, what else is going on? I was interviewed about the podcast by my friends over at the Surf Simply website, which was nice. They went pretty in depth on my background, how I ended up doing this, uh, my ahem methodology, I guess you could say, and all the rest of it. Big thanks to Kim and Matt for that one. Not sure when that's going to be posted, but to make sure you don't miss it, then you might want to segue. Sign up for my weekly newsletter. Yeah, that just happened. Uh, once a week, usually on a Friday, but sometimes on a Sunday, if I don't have time to do it on a Friday, I send out my newsletter, which has the five things from the world of action sports that I think are worth sharing each week. Could be absolutely anything. It's going down pretty, pretty well with a growing army of weekly readers, that one. Speaking of newsletters, anyone who sends one out, I mean, I'm not alone, right? You immediately go and check to see who's unsubscribed, right? I mean, yeah, it's a weirdly compelling and masochistic exercise, especially when you see one of your mates unsubscribe, blissfully unaware that you can see that they've done it. But everyone does that, right? I mean, what a world, weird one. But yeah, that's me anyway. Elsewhere, I've been asked to do a live show at ISPO. Actually, a very interesting sounding live show at ISPO. Uh, I'm not sure we've confirmed yet, so I'm not going to say who it involves or what is going on there um, because I've got a feeling we're, we're still a bit cloak and dagger right now. But I'll be posting about that on my social media if it happens. So head on over to my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. You're going to find my social accounts there and, of course, all the show notes from this episode and every other episode that I've ever done. So there you go. All right, that's it. Nice one. Big thanks to Mickey for coming on the show, to all of you lot for checking this one out and your continued loyalty to the podcast. I'll be back soon with the next episode. In the meantime, enjoy your week. I'll catch you next time. Nice one. Mm -hmm.